Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. Two weeks in a row, two weeks in a row, we've got other Marines on. This is how we do it. We're just going to take over all this. And <laughs> even better, in my opinion, is, is we're bringing two weeks in a row, we're bringing two Marines on. And the way we're doing it, folks, is the way that I always love to have it done, is talking with Marines and talking about business, talking about kind of do-it-yourself Self-help, self-growth, whatever you want to call it. Does my mic sound funny to you? My mic sounds no, you sound, you sound, you sound good. Huh? I'm having one of those moments. This is that paranoia. You know, <laughs> song goes paranoia will destroy you. But as I as I say in there, so so joining us from New York South, because that's really what Florida is, folks. If you ain't never been there, <laughs> Florida ain't up in New York South. And this is where the snowbirds come. That's where they all all show up at so joining us it is mr michael w allison what's going on sean how you doing brother good brother and you know what's funny is is not that your name's funny but i have a friend named allison michaels no shit <laughs> right well, it's funny because i was looking to send you an, another message and i'm like I'm like that's I mean, say, why is this giving me this is giving me Allison stuff? And <laughs> just like all of us, we put our pictures at the bottom of our emails anymore mm-hmm. so people know who we are. And I'm like, that's funny. So, but all right, folks, before we get too far into talking about what Michael's got going on, his time in the Marine Corps, and how it's helped him to develop this, you know, personal growth strategy and process that I'll tell you, brother, sounds very similar to being a Marine. I have to say, uh, <laughs> I picked right up, picked right up on it. But let's go ahead and get some, uh, some of that normal stuff that we get done around here, taken care of. As always, folks, we got the big board over my right shoulder for sticker and a cause. If you've got something you're supporting, maybe you've got your own book, a band, a podcast, comic book. I don't care what it is. Reach out to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, even our email. It's all the above the bar podcast at gmail.com. Reach out. Let me know what you got going on. I'll tell you where to send the sticker to. We'll read all about you live here on the air. Let everybody know what you got going on and get your sticker right up there. That's sticker and a cause. Now, the other thing here is, and I know, you know, these are important down in Florida. I know they're important up here. And that's talking about our sponsors. And our sponsor right here is Budget Blinds of East Greenbush and Budget Blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York. They are Budget Blinds is America's number one window treatment company. Been around for 30 years taking care of windows. And these are folks, this isn't, you know, and nothing against big box stores. They serve their purpose. They're good at what they do. But when you're ready to step your game up, you're, you're getting out of mom's basement. You're getting out of the apartment. You're, you're ready to like, Hey, I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to treat me. And, and the way I always tell folks is you buy these houses for 250, $300,000, $400,000. And then you go and put Walmart window <laughs> treatments in that is the same as buying a look, Michael's laugh because he knows that one. This is the same as going out and buying your buying a sports car and, and putting, you know, $50 tires on there. Right, right. It don't make no sense. 
Don't make no sense. So make sure you're, you're reaching out to budget blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York, and budget blinds of East Greenbush, New York. For the month of January, it's all about that up to 18 months interest-free financing if you're qualified. Look, folks, that means you won't you won't have to be done paying this till 2025. So you'll be into twenty you'll be halfway through 2025 before you have to be done with this. So make sure you're reaching out to them. And if you really want something to think about, almost every single one of their window treatments come with a five-year, no questions asked warranty on top of the manufacturer's lifetime. That means kids get wild, dog tears it up, kids cut something. You don't have to worry about, man, I, I just I'm out a few hundred bucks. You just pick up the phone, call, call up your local budget blinds, and they just give you a new one. You can't beat that. So make sure you're reaching out to budget blinds of East Greenbush and budget blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York. All right, Michael, house clean is done. House is clean. House is clean. So it, it look, and it ain't even Thursday, so we ain't got to do field day. <laughs> I, I will reference many, many Marine Corps things. So uh just be prepared for that. That's uh, all good. You know, I mean, I will refrain from referring to you as Devil Dog, Tooth and Hungin, uh, ba- Battler from Bella Woods, um, Hard yep. Charger, Shift Mate. <laughs> Look, he's already quitting. He's dropping shit. He's like, I'm not listening to this guy. He's ready to leave. <laughs> y'all, y'all just don't understand. Nothing. You you wanted to be called Devil Dog more than anything in the world. And then until the first time somebody yelled at you, went, hey, come here, Devil Dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then. You already know you're in trouble. The tone is different, man. <laughs> and you were like, fuck you, dude. Don't I don't don't call me. Like, it's the only time, like, this is the best thing you could be called. And that's the only time you're like, no, don't call me that. <laughs> you ain't cool like that. So but but I'm looking here. So eight years in the Marine Corps. Yes, what was sir. your MOS? 1833 Amtrax. Oh, you're a tracks guy. Yeah. Oh. I floated with tracks in 96 and the 97. We had on the uh, Pensacola, and we okay. had we had all the guys. So, well, if you eight years, when did you go in? Ninety nine. So I was on the Essex in Okinawa um, around two thousand two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. We we had the. Uh, have you ever seen the track that had? Look, we're gonna go in the Marine Corps ship for a minute, folks. Suck it up, hang out with us. But have you ever seen the tracks that uh, it has the big ten foot whip antenna? Yeah, and the yeah, yeah. Sit in. Yeah, we had those guys on the boat with us. We had a Russian translator on the boat with us. <laughs> I'm like, and the dude was as herb as you've ever met a person in your life, like just straight herb. And I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I sit in here and listen to traffic. Yeah, that's I'm the like, calm guys. I'm like, well, what if you hear something that like could really be a problem? He's like, I got this button, and I flip this switch, and all the radio communication goes out. I'm like, no shit. He's like, yeah. It just <laughs> everything goes off. I'm like, why ain't that some shit? And that was in '96. I mean, who knows what the hell they got now? Man, they're much more sophisticated now, man. I uh, I was talking to um, my uh, captain at the time. He's a general now, but uh, now they got these uh, AAA AVs, man. And it's just like crazy, man. Crazy. It's wild the stuff they can do with that now, isn't it? Yeah. So, but you know, so you did eight years. Uh, yeah. You know, you you. You you've seen some shit. I mean, you you're not gonna be a tracks guy and, and not. And for those of you that don't understand what tracks are, those are the mobile uh armored uh, advanced armored amphibious vehicles. Did I get it right? 
Yeah, and fuse assault vehicles, yeah, armored. But with the when we have the armored on the side and stuff like that, yeah. I was a Motor T guy, and then I was avionics on 53s, and then I was a recruiter. I don't know what the shit is. I always like when people are like, yo, you know all about this weapon, and I'm like, I didn't carry that thing. <laughs> like, what? I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about that. I didn't carry that thing. I don't need that. So, but you did that. You were involved in Fallujah. Uh, brother, I've... I can only, I've only heard stories. I can't even imagine what that was like for you. And you, you've got the, uh, you went through one of the things that I think people don't understand that service members go through and not picking at scabs or nothing like that. But, you know, we, we deal with a high rate of divorce and fighting for our kids and custody. And, uh, people don't quite uh, understand what that's like. And especially for those of us who feel like we're doing, doing good, we're doing right. We have no idea. Right. Right. I think it's nine out of 10 of us in the Marine Corps. And then you, you know, I'm glad you didn't. And, and look, folks, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, well, where can I find all this? What, what's what's Sean talking about? If you go to Michael that's where all Michael stuff's at. You can find out what he's got going on. But, uh, you know, you had some 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 journeys that, that I'm glad you you did not complete. We'll right. put it that way. People can go go figure out what that means themselves. Uh, and you can say it if you want to. But I, I want to start with, you know, I, I can tell you what your Marine Corps career was like. And I don't mean like I know, but I we, we've chewed similar dirt. We understand what that, that world's like. What was your transition out like? I'm always curious how other Marines transitions out were because I think that really is what sets us up for our next our next journeys. Man, my transition was not ideal, not what I actually envisioned or planned. Um, the last couple of years I was in, I um, I got married um, to a young lady. Um, and like a month before I was getting out, um, I had a son. Uh, she was pregnant, so I had a son that was going to be born uh, and on the way. Anyhow, I was at TBS, uh, Quantico, um, training officers um, at, the, at the basic school. And I got out from there. And when I was getting out, I thought I was going to be a police officer because I had an opportunity to work for a police force when I was getting out. Um, that fell through and that didn't work out. You know how we have the uh, TAPS program. I had met another guy that was uh, talking to me about working on the railroad. So I reached out to him when, <laughs> so I reached out to him and when uh, that didn't work out and he said, Hey man, I got a conductor position in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, if you want it. So I came back to Miami and you know, I was back at my mom's house. I got out of Marine Corps with like $30,000 in my savings account. And after buying a house, moving and all that stuff, that money went really, really, really fast. And um, I took the job. I tried some other stuff before, but that obviously didn't work. So I tried the job, worked on the railroad for a little bit. And then after six months, man, I got laid off. And after getting laid off, my uh, then wife uh, decided to go back to Florida because things were very slow in uh, Columbia, South Carolina in regards to job opportunities and she was pregnant at the time. So things just was not working out at the time and we're sleeping on air mattresses and she was not with that. So, um, you know, that was, that, that was not ideal. And, you know, that transition really like taught me a lot in regards to like what the Marine Corps had provided for me and how life was kind of set up. And when I got out, you know, priorities was not in line and, and all of those things. Anyhow, I was still working, doing my thing. And, um, I worked for six months, got laid off, man. And then I thought like, 
I think I might want to go back in the military, you know. So I, uh, yeah. I, I looked at trying to go, go back in, and what really hurt the most was, I think, uh, I want to say about three or four months out. That's when I finally like uh, filed like my disabilities and all those things. I didn't get a designation yet in regards to any of that stuff, but I filed it. But the paperwork was. And, and trying to get get back in. Uh, the recruiters were like, you got PTSD, you got this, you got that, and all these things, and they would not allow me to come back into the military at the time, man. So wow. I just said, uh, let me uh, try to figure something else out. So um, I came back home, and when I came back home, my son was born. So it kind of worked out. Like, I got laid off, but my son was born the next month. And lo and behold, man, uh, that uh, supervisor that I was working for in South Carolina said, hey, man, when you was here working, you busted your ass, and I really uh, appreciated that from you. And I got a management position for you in Atlanta, Georgia. So I took it, took the job and I went to Atlanta and I became a train master in Atlanta, Georgia for five years, man. So were you a CSX or NS? Norfolk Southern. NS. I was CSX for 10 months when I first got out and then seven years of Amtrak. Wow. 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 Bro, we chewed some same dirt. Yeah, bro. man. It's not like we did. Went on the same path a little bit, man. <laughs> Keep going. I'm just listening to my own story. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, um, that transition, I got got the job, took it in uh, Georgia, went through the training phase. So I was in Macon, Georgia initially, and I went through some training and I, I roomed with a uh, guy, a law student that was down there. And uh, we, we uh, roomed for a couple months while I went through the training. Once I graduated, you know, uh, I moved my mayor, got back together and then uh, we uh, moved to uh, McDonough, Georgia and uh, working on a railroad. Things are going fine. And some things was not going well between our relationship again. And my grandfather passed away around uh, my second year on the railroad. And then from there, uh, we just decided to part ways and I fought for divorce and we, we went our separate ways. After that, man, I just kept working, doing my thing. And when the divorce was the final, I got a divorce paper the same day. And as soon as I got that divorce paper, you know, I just was in a really, really bad funk, man. And I was just thinking like, what's going on, what's going on with my life and all these different things. Anyhow, um, working and working and working, man. And the last year that I'm there on the railroad, I, uh, I got called out at night and I went to Stockbridge, Georgia. And tr the dispatcher says, uh, you got a suicide. So I pulled up there and I see a, a dead body laying across the track. And I, I'm, as a supervisor, you gotta make sure the employees are okay get them off, get them home, get them safe and all those things. Then the news shows up. Then the news is interviewing you. The next morning, I have to report to the superintendents what's going on. So I do the report of what, what took place, write up the reports and all that. And then I go get up and I go back to work. And two weeks later, another suicide took place on the opposite side of the railroad. And from there, man, that really put me in a funk. And uh, people don't realize the, the railroad suicide thing. Yeah, like I, I think most people associate that with like days gone by like that's not a real thing mm -hmm. and they don't realize how common it is being on amtrak it was very common because we're running at 110 wow like it was very common i knew so many freight engineers when i was i was a train master at csx mm -hmm. i knew so many freight engineers that it's sad to say they were numb to it like mm -hmm. you would talk to guys and they'd be like, yeah, I've hit 14. I've hit 20. You're like, like oh. it just like with this mindset of like, 
Yeah. And, and they would tell you stories like, ah, I hit a guy. He parked his car on the side of the tracks and then walked out on the tracks because he found out that day he had terminal cancer. So he was just going to end it. Uh, talked to a guy who actually trying to end, trying to break it because the dude was out there with his girlfriend, holding his girlfriend on the tracks while him and her till the train. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bro. I'm sorry. Like it, just hearing that, man, my heart goes out to you as somebody who was out there and, and knows exactly what you're dealing with. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's unreal, man. And what that did for me, it, it, it threw me into a downward spiral. So, you know, just to go back a little bit of the Marine Corps, when we was in Fallujah, the last um, mission that we was on, delivering supplies, tank, my tank, got, my, my uh, AV got hit by a VBID, but the blast of it. But my uh, gunny, one of my best friends, our doctor, and the uh, gunner on the Humvee, they got hit by the VBID. So hit my gunny, knocked him out. The doctor lost half of his leg. The gunner lost half of his face. And my best friend, Salto, died. And we had to put them in a the body bag. And to see that, you know, that immediately brought me back to that moment after seeing that with the railroad, man. And from there, for, and to be honest, when I got out, I never even thought anything about, like, PTSD, mental health, right. hospitals, any of those things. So I never checked into a hospital, never went to a VA hospital, didn't do any of those things for close to 10 years. And all of a sudden, seeing that, it, it immediately brought me back to that, man, back to that moment. The smell, the the look, everything brought me right back to that moment. And from there, I, uh, I for a couple couple of weeks after that, man, I couldn't sleep. I could the smells was different, the noises were different. And from there, man, I uh, had to leave the railroad, and that kind of put me in like a, another downward spiral from there. And I I ended up um, got into drinking a good bit, and uh, I took took off some time from work, and I got a DUI, and I got a DUI, got arrested. Spent a year on probation and community service, AA meetings, you name it, all that stuff, uh, close to a year. And from there, I left the railroad and um, and I just said, I'm just going to come back home and take care of myself. And I did that. So I came back uh, to Miami and just worked on myself in regards to like just some personal development things. And I went back to school. So I went back to school, got my bachelor's degree in information security. Then I got my master's degree in business. And then I, uh, I took a job in Washington, D.C., where I became a project manager and a uh, government contractor um, for several years in D.C., man. And that was another transition for me. Um, you know, obviously, me and my ex went, went through a divorce, but now we're going through a custody battle based off where I'm living at. So I'm flying back and forth to South Florida, going to court, trying to see my son, stay in hotels, rent a cars, you name it, all that stuff for close to close to a solid five years of my life is that that was my life for five years. Wow. So, so that sets the foundation for the adversity Academy. I, I'm going to take a guess at now, folks, look, we just I, getting started. We just getting started. <laughs> so, so there's about eight of you right now watching the live. Look, if you've never seen Michael or you're hearing his story for the first time and you want to know more, it's Michael W. Allison. That's Allison with two L's.com. See what he's got going on. Do us all a favor if you're watching this. Give this a, a share. Give it a like. It may sound cheesy, but listen to me. That's how more people hear his story. That's how more people know about what he's got going on. And, and I'm just hearing you. So so now you're in D.C. Yeah. You're, you're, you're trying to fight a custody battle out of Florida, right. which, is never, which is never easy going state to state. 
you're still trying to be the Marine, you right. know, hard, harder than woodpecker lips, you know, all those, th- I'm going to use them all, bro. You know, you know, we yeah, use them all. I told you I did 20 years. I was a fucking gunny just yelling at people. But, you know, so, so, and look folks also, if you're out there, ask Michael question, you can ask questions live to, to Michael right now. Yeah, ask away. Just, if you got things that you want to know about things that are happening. So, so we're in DC. We're now you're a contractor at that point. Yes, I'm a project manager primarily, and then you, you get the opportunity to be a, a, a government contractor too as well. So I'm doing that, and life is doing life is going great now. So like my, my professional life is doing really well, and the the personal aspect of my life is more so the uh, child custody thing that's going on, and I'm doing great. Uh, one of the top uh, project managers there in D.C. This was during uh, Generation Shecky uh, front time frame, Barack Obama time frame. So like you name it, I'm around all these people. I'm in this, these different types of meeting in Washington, D.C., and I'm seeing it all, hearing it all. And from being in that space and being in that present and being in that environment, my career like excelled and took off in Washington, D.C. And it looked like everything that took place for me in um, Atlanta was just a blur. And as I'm going through that, man, and um, dealing with this custody battle, you could, tell, you could kind of tell that it was kind of like uh, my life was like kind of gnawing at me. And then... Um, the the young lady that I was seeing in Atlanta, Georgia, she moved up to uh to see to Washington D.C. with me, and we moved in together, and eventually we got married. And after six months of being married, we, we dated for ten years. We went through a divorce in six months after being married, and <laughs> and from there, and from there, man, uh, what kind of contractor were you? I can kind get to that whenever, whenever you want to, but um, from there. To, okay, whenever yeah. Ready. Whenever you're ready, keep going, brother. You like? We're okay. All right, cool. So at six months, um, you know, um, we went through a, a bad rut in our in our relationship, and from there, man, I told her, I said, "Hey, uh, I'm, I want to file for divorce." So the way the laws are set up in Washington D.C., you got to be separated for a year before yes. divorce is actually final. So I decided to relocate. I asked my supervisor, could I get the closest back to South Florida to be closer to my son? And the closest they could get me was uh, to Tampa, Florida. And um, I got to Tampa, Florida, and I'm working and I'm working. And all of a sudden, I feel like my life was kind of like in seasons or in cycles or in flows, but like it's going high and it's going low. It's going high and it's going low. And I was back on a downward spiral again. And this is when I realized like I didn't really care about work. I didn't care about, um, I stopped caring about myself and I just started getting drinking on the job, doing all of these crazy things. Got, I got up to being on like 13 different medications. And at this point I was like, man, I'm the guy that's been divorced. I'm the guy that, uh, that's uh, been through several things as a, through my childhood trauma that I've, that I've had in my life. And I didn't think there was any point of being any point of living anymore. And I didn't see the point of going on, man. So I got my pistol and I uh, got a 50 pound weight and went to the bridge that's out there in um, St. Pete, Florida. And I was going to kill myself that night, man. And obviously I did not do that. And thank God for that, man. But uh, you get cheers for that, man. Like I'm not, do you know you'd have ruined today's episode if you were dead? (laughs) As only Marines can say, you'd have messed all of today up if you'd have done that, Michael. Do you understand that? 
I, I totally understand and I see the purpose and the you, reason bro. why I'm here, bro. Bro. And I'm sorry, folks, if you're listening to this and you're like, I can't believe you said that. It's what we do. <laughs> we understand it. It's not he understands it wasn't like I was being a dickhead about something. No, nah, it's all good, man. It's all it's good. It's all good. And from there, man, I um I said th this is gonna be it, and I'm gonna change my life. And from there, I changed everything that I that I wanted to do in my life and the impact that I wanted to make in my life, man. And just went on a, a made a complete 180 and changed the, the programs that I started being in, the people that I was hanging around, the environments around me, started attracting different things inside of my life. And from there, man, I, uh, I left that company working for the government, went on to take another job at Florida Atlantic University, became the director for military students. And from there, I uh, left, worked there for a couple of years, working with veteran students uh, down at Florida Atlantic University. And <clears throat> I said, all right, well, you know, I've been through a lot of personal things in my life and I've learned some lessons. So I, I, I went to uh, Rush University to learn all about PTSD, traumatic brain injury, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, you name it, every single thing that could do with mental health. I try to like conquer everything that I could do and learn about it itself. Then from there, man, I went to uh, the Emory, Emory program back in Atlanta, Georgia, and completed that program where they actually take you through some cognitive behavior types of things and completed the programs there. And I really wanted to work on like what was going on mentally inside of my head with some of the things that I was not addressing or dealing with. And I just I just be totally vulnerable and transparent because I'm, I'm at that point now where it doesn't really matter. But I was I was the one that when I was in Jamaica, we've been through several floods and hurricanes left us homeless, came to America. I didn't speak English like I speak English now and uh, been through a lot of books. You were very heavy patois. Yeah, man. I speak Jamaican patois really well. Then they understand what I talk about. <laughs> Did so, I at least impress you by knowing the fact of what the hell patois was? Did I at least give it get a little song? You, you got it right. You got it right. You got it right. And then from there, man, I, I've been through some um, some some rough childhood trauma, I would say, that was involving the Boy Scouts. And that really, like, really, really, yeah, man, that really affected me. Um, we was in Washington, D.C., and uh, came out of the bathroom. Scott Masters told all the boys to get on the wall and, uh, naked. And it was, it was, it was nothing uh, to joke around with or play around with. But that was my experience as a kid, man, at 11 years old. Holy um, so I had a lot of stuff that I was dealing with as a kid, man. And then, I just I that's why you hear the concept of uh, breaking the bottle, because I bottle in a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, a lot of thoughts that I never shared or talked about with anybody, man. Bro, that's. I mean, I can joke around a lot about a lot, but that's that's where I draw the line. I can't. Yeah. Bro, to, to just to just come out of that and I just don't have a better word. You maybe have a better word to come out normal. If that's, if that, if that makes sense. And again, I don't want to, please don't think I'm downplaying any of that, but to be able to come out and be able to still function in society in any way. I mean, brother, I, I give you all the credit in the world, but wow, I, I can't even, to me, that's, there's no, nothing more heinous in the world than that. Like a thousand percent agree, man. Um, if I, <laughs> I was 11 years old. If I had big brothers or, or, you know, if I was in the Marine Corps at that time, a lot of things would have been different. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things though. Like, I mean, and at that age you were, you know, 
was this normal? Everybody's doing it. I guess this is normal. Is this okay? Mm-hmm. You know, all, all those, those thoughts. Um, yeah. It was set up in a way of like hazing or like init- like initiating all the new, um, new uh, kind of uh, scouts and stuff like that. That's what it kind of made it look like, but it was not that. Um, yeah, man. So, you know, from there, man, I had to go through a lot of counseling, lots of programs and different things and surrounding myself with different people. Um, I got heavily into my faith. So I, I joined a men's group and started surrounding myself with lots of um, faith based guys that's going to support me. Then we went through me and my wife. We went through our marriage counseling and me and her got remarried back again. The same woman that we that's got divorced. Awesome. Now, is that this? very attractive young lady that i see in a in a picture with this dapper suit that you've got on and she's got this very colorful dress on your website that's right man yeah we got remarried uh, man and uh he's got, got the family back together smile. man she's got an absolutely beautiful smile and you look happy in that picture and uh nothing like your marine corps picture where you look like i'm harder than a bag of listen to <laughs> <laughs> i got this shit right here it's, it's, it's George and Allison. Remember that shit. Yeah, that's all I can see. Like, like yeah, I got this picture because we're both the same. Like, dude, if I showed you Marine Corps pictures, I mean, you'd be like, "That dude was a douchebag, Gunny. He was a dude." <laughs> and then you see pictures of me now. I'm like, "Hey, look, hey, how's everybody doing?" Guys are like, "You're not Gunny Murphy." I'm like, mm, "I'm still Gunny Murphy. If you need me to turn that shit on, I'll be more than happy to." But I just don't use it no more. So. <laughs> But you're going through all these things. I mean, let's talk for a second here. So, you, I mean, you went through the fire, and, and I'm curious of something. Brother, I mean, we're already halfway through this interview. I feel like I could talk to you for the next four hours. But I, I'm curious of one thing. That Marine Corps mentality, I'm not going to see the wizard. I, you're not – I'm not going to see the wizard. We're not playing this game. I, that ain't me. I got this shit. For you – to break that stigma and, and and again back to breaking the bottle and folks again check out michaelwallison.com see what he's got going on uh don't go on there just looking for the picture because i said his, his wife got a beautiful smile don't be creepy like that neither uh, that's creepy um that's creepy but um uh, what did it take to i hope she's not watching this either and she's like this motherfucker um, no, she's she's uh she's actually probably packing. We're getting ready to head to Charlotte. I have a TEDx speech out uh, this Saturday, man. So you... I want to do a TEDx. I don't know what I would do a TEDx on though. I want to do a TEDx because I feel like I got a million things. Mm-hmm. But I gotta figure I gotta figure out like how to bring it in. But I mean, and I'm just looking here. Inc. 5000 franchise consultant, US Times, uh 2022 Distinguished Alumni Awards, uh, from your alma mater. <laughs> Excuse me. You got the TEDx, Fox, ESPN, BET, CNN, NBC, We Empower, uh, Educate, CBS. Um, good Lord, you're like me. I, I speak at the coffee shop, anywhere you need me. So, you know, you go through all these things, but when was the moment when you said, okay, you know, I, I'm breaking this mindset, this I'm not going to see the wizard mindset. I'm going to make me healthy, my mind as much as my body healthy. When did it say that, okay, I can help others with this? Where, where did that turn into, well, I got this tool, I can help others with it? Yeah, so what really hit me, man, was uh, 
when I was at um, Florida Atlantic University and I was working, I realized that I've hit like my plateau in regards to working for other people and serving other people and knowing that I have all of these skills and talent that I could apply it somewhere else. So I said, what am I going to do with my skills and my talent? So I know that I've been through a lot of personal things in my life and I could help people with that aspect in regards to how I changed my life and how I, I bettered my life. But I said, I, I want to take all of the things that I learned from the military, all the things that I learned from the railroad, everything that I worked, learned from the government, that I, I learned so much from the government. And then I learned so much here at this university. And I want to package that. And I want to take that to the business space. But for me, even with a master's degree in business, I wanted to learn the, the all of the aspects of business. So I said, I'm going to buy a franchise. So I bought a franchise, a construction company and uh, bought that construction company. We got it up and running, got it up over to $1.2 million in a couple of years um, in regards to like the book of sales and all those things that we were doing. And through there, obviously, uh, we all made the Inc. 5000, got a whole bunch of accolades and things that came with that for running a, a successful business. And from there, I sold that franchise. And I said, I'm going to take all of these experiences that I do have now, and I'm going to take it to put it into the University Academy. But the first thing that I said, I want to take all of this information and help people Well, I was going to write a book. So I wrote my first book, Overcoming Adversity, Getting Your Life Back on Track. And the book really talks about all of my life story from Jamaica all the way to running a business. But every single chapter is a lesson that I wanted to impart onto the, the reader, excuse me, of things that they could uh, take away from my story, not just the story itself, but things that practical things they could uh, apply to their lives too as well. And from there, I, I did a, a TEDx and the TEDx was kind of around my story. And I call it the hurricanes of life because if you, if you think about my stories, there's tons of things around that. But lastly, I said, now I want to turn this into a business where I could create a platform, create, create a, a, a service where I could give back and serve people, empower people, inspire people. Because after sharing my story, sharing my book and people going out and buying my book and telling me how much my or doing different speaking engagements, it was so it was so profound, man, where I was connecting with like mothers, guys, you name it, other veterans in regards to some of the things that I was dealing with and facing. And I was like, okay, I, I'm on the right path to creating this business, the Adversity Academy. And I looked at it where I wanted to create the personal development aspects to help people. And then I wanted to create the business aspect of the um, Adversity Academy to um, help uh, business owners or anybody that wanted to leave a nine to five or and want to get into entrepreneurship as well. The next thing that I do have coming is the Veteran Transition Assistance Program, which is going to tie to some entrepreneurship, some professionalism things, some government contracting things that I'm going to be putting together for that program too as well. I want to throw something out. I'm listening. I hate taps and seps. I think it's horrible. I think it's the worst thing that we do. It is absolute garbage. Mm -hmm. Too many guys think that we're told the rumor every time, and you tell me if this is what you experienced. The rumor at Taps and Seps is, dude, I'm going to get there. And like my buddy said, he went and his friend went and his friend was talking to this guy. He owns like a billion dollar construction company. He was like, I like you, Marine. I'm going to make you my right hand man. And he makes like a quarter of a billion dollars a year now. We're told that going into Taps and Seps. Don't know what your experience was. Mine was here in Saratoga, New York, because I was on recruiting duty in upstate New York. 
that you can hear from the smooth, silky sounds of my voice. I'm not from New York, from Baltimore. Um, and I got there and it was every branch of the service because it was one of the few places that, because it's not a base around. And they showed us how to log into LinkedIn and how to set up a LinkedIn account. They LinkedIn had, wasn't even out when I when I got out. <laughs> yeah, they, I got out in fourteen. I got out in fourteen. So set up a LinkedIn account. Um, he was good enough to show us how to set up the proper VA website so that you could get all your stuff through the VA. And then it was, you know. Well, here's how you write a resume. And then, thank goodness, I met up with a company, a group out of Alabama called Still Serving uh, Veterans, SSV, mm-hmm. who's who's part of the, um, gosh, what the heck is it? The uh, Call of Duty Foundation mm-hmm. uh, helps them. <laughs> yeah, right. Eric says almost almost upstate. Yeah, I guess you're, he's almost. <laughs> he's up on the Canadian border in Plattsburgh, New York. That's like truly upstate. Like that's frozen tundra. They still got, they got like four feet of snow already. <laughs> okay, it, Eric. Um, but it, it really was, it was just wasn't a positive experience. Thank goodness for uh hire our heroes, which no longer does live events. They did a live event. I met a railroad person. I had to track down my CSX guy. I had to track down like four different people. And finally I met one who was like, call me tomorrow at this time. Mm-hmm. look at your resume and he actually looked at mine and goes do you want to be a train master or a maintenance manager and i was like i i don't know what either one of them does man i just know that i can do the job and he mm-hmm. goes train master goes further let's do that and i went and became a train master and they wanted me to go to willard ohio you know where that is no he <laughs> <somebody> else <laughs> but but the my my whole th- reasoning for telling you all this is when you do that, you have me as a platform, hundred percent. You tell me, I'll, I'll I do. You know the show is Wednesdays. You, you know it's. You know I was glad I was able to get you in here. I had an opening. This is a platform for you. I will do a Saturday if you want to do a Saturday. And normally those are paid days for me, but I'll do a Saturday. And anything I can contribute. As a, as a veteran who watched how jacked up it is and no one taught us how to write resumes, mm-hmm. the dumbest thing under the sun, uh, how many times do you, do you talk to guys and they just, well, my captain's really smart. He went to college, so I'll copy and paste what he said, and I'll stick it in my resume. Look, folks, you know, shipmate, army dog, marine, Couch potato, that's an Air Force guy, is a couch potato, folks. Puddle pirate, <laughs> Puddle pirate. Coast Guard, that's my son. That's not how you write them. So I, this is me to you right now, brother. Whatever you need, if I can, if you can find a way for me to contribute to it, I am there for you. It is, it is for you, whatever I can do. Man, Sean, I appreciate that so much, bro. Thank you so much, man. I can't even begin to explain to you, like, taps and saps is fucking garbage I, I i agree with you man i when i i went through obviously so i actually did it i think it was november or december 2006 because i got out january 14th so i know it was like after the new year or something like that i got out um but i want to say they crammed it in if not one day maybe a couple hours or something like that and it was a it was like a, a round robin of just different services. Here, hey, this is what we do. We'll be in this corner. Hey, this is what we do. 
living in this corner. And the sucky part about that is like, not every single veteran that's there in that room is from Quantico, Virginia. So I'm going back to Miami, Florida. I, I'm not going to connect with you or do anything with you. Right. And so, and from there, what is it that the veteran is going to get in, in regards to like that transition? Because we're, we're trying to like look at all of the things that's applicable for us to transition. I never even gave a, gave it a thought of entrepreneurship when I uh, got out. And there's so many veterans that could take some of their skills and their benefits and just go straight to entrepreneurship. They could go straight into government contracting or creating their business and different things. Easy like money. That. Right. Easy. Those are things that we could easily do, but no one tells them or shows them those types of skills no. is I think is missing. Everyone thinks that I'm not saying nothing wrong with going to work for somebody, but no. even even those skills are not even there to help veterans transition. Like you said, with the resume, the interviewing, the, um, the the suits and all of these different things. I, I I think part of the problem that's tied to like the homelessness situations is veterans don't even know how much what they qualify with home loans and financial literacy. Though some of those things that's tied to the importance around around that. Because if you think about it, if a veteran was married and all those things, then uh, maybe base housing, all those things is uh, taken care of. But for the guy that was living in a squad bay and was living with roommates, <laughs> he has no clue. <laughs> Well, that's my buying a house. Well, that that's my whole thing with with so much that you know I, I'm so fired up. I think TSP is a load of bullshit, mm -hmm. and is nothing more than another government scam to steal from from service members. Oh, you don't need your fifty percent over over the over your lifetime when you retire at twenty years. You can get forty percent, and we'll give you TSP. Go fuck yourself in your TSP. <laughs> you sorry, sorry asses. You were just stealing from these kids. Yeah, man, stealing. It's stealing from them, and it's no benefit. And they're like, well, if they still do 30 years, they'll get 70. Do you know how many guys I know that did 30 years? My One of my best friends who's out in Oklahoma, he did 30 years. Mm -hmm. He was a master guns. Gotcha. You know what? I was never doing 30 years. Never in my life. When I... Bro, July of 94, I went to boot camp. You want to know when I retired? July of 2014. <laughs> it was 20 years and some days. I was done. I needed to get out. Because I because I was past that. Like, they had already done. Like, you probably, you weren't in when it happened. They started doing this. Like, hey, you can get out at 15 years at 40%. For 16 years at 41 and a half. And they started doing this oh, whole wow. thing. Yeah, they, they just started doing this thing, but it's it's absolutely just mind-boggling. And what really kills me, and I would love to be involved with this, is how many of these companies don't like that's where this really needs to go is to these companies to understand who we are. Brother, I have a bachelor's degree in human resource management. Mm -hmm. I was staffing, I was I was a train the trainer. I was an ARI for a staffing for a recruiting command, assistant recruiter instructor, the mm -hmm. number two enlist, the number two enlisted guy on the stat on the recruiting side, and got told by companies, "Yeah, you did it there, but you didn't do it here." Do wow. you know how trainable I am as a person? Like what I could do, mm -hmm. and and the entrepreneurship. You know, I, I've told it here on air, and some people know the budget blinds is mine. I own that. It's a mm -hmm. franchise, but I had to, I had to go through my cycle to own my own franchise. And, and brother, I, you have my support. As soon as you said that, 
you anything you need, you know, I got, I probably still got like, I got, you know, I don't fit in any of my uniforms. Right? <laughs> I, <don't. laughs> I don't look like I'm going to tell you right now. And again, folks, check out Michael W. Allison. <laughs> if you do nothing, if you are fashion, if you're, if you're a fashionable, just like a horrible person, just take a look at some of Michael's suits. Um, he got good suits. I don't know who dresses him. <laughs> out. But I'm going to tell you right now, um, if this don't work out, um, pimp might be a good game for you, dog. I'm gonna <laughs> just game just from the suit game might be, a, might be all right. I mean, you might have something there. And I mean, we're, we're, we're getting ready to close the bar here soon. I mean, it's almost last call, but I mean, Eric's over here and I, I get Nate. I got your question on deck. Uh, he said, I sat in training at the World Staffing Association, and Eric and I used to work together in the staffing world as the business development director. He's uh, one of the managers now, and it was probably the smartest decision they ever made to make Eric a manager. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like 12 years old and probably still one of the smartest uh, staffers I've ever met. He sat in a, a training at a World Staffing Association in Vegas for veteran transitioning to civilian citizenship it's civilians it's not citizenship it's civilians most of the world has zero idea i learned a lot and thank you for your service uh and then all right so here's what nate i'm gonna tell you mine after you tell me yours nate wants to know what your favorite mre was nate's my boy he wants to know what your favorite mre was what you got man i'm gonna tell you what I, I, i'm gonna go with probably meatloaf man meatloaf i never had meatloaf yeah man i'll go with meatloaf beef stew beef stew is good too yeah. bro I let me tell you a funny ass story that only only another service member, especially a Marine, will appreciate. Don't tell me you made a bomb. <laughs> no, I made the bombs plenty of times. Dude, we used to make CS grenades out. out you know how to make a CS grenade, right? Yeah. We, we, used to make C, we, used, we used to make CS grenades, especially when I was in aviation. So we like had all the RTV and everything to run the tube and like just let it seep into somebody else's tent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, did all that shit, but no. So my first hot MRE was purely accidental. So when I went to boot camp, MREs didn't come with heaters. They were just cold. Mm. So Paris Island, we're doing, uh, God, what the hell was it called? I don't remember what the run was called. It was like this final run. You had to pass it. It was like CC something, mm -hmm. like whatever it was. You were like boots and utes run with your rifle. And uh, folks, you can go back and look up all the terms I'm using. I'm not going to explain all of them. Um, but <laughs> we're doing this run, and my MRE is in the top of my pack. And we get done with the run. And they're like, all right, go ahead and get your MREs out. Da, da, da. I'm like, all right. I cracked this thing. I'm like, fuck, this thing's hot. I cracked that beef stew open, bro. It was hot beef stew. <laughs> no, wow. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, and see, you're laughing because you know exactly how no, that no, you're happened. right, you're right. <laughs> and then somebody you're then later on, jalapeno cheese came out. Oh my gosh, that bro, was the best. You took the, the beef stew. That was the best. You could trade for the jalapeno cheese and you mix the jalapeno cheese up and then put it in the beef stew. With the crack, you had to take the cracker and the Tabasco Probably. and mix them all together. Yeah. <laughs> this day, if you gave me one of those today, 
I would sit here through this whole show and probably moan as I ate the sunbitch. <laughs> <laughs> like it would be uncomfortable to listen to. Absolutely uncomfortable. I actually Absolutely. told my wife the other day, man, we need to like keep a box of MREs here, man, just in case for hurricane season, man. Right. <laughs> I have three MREs under my bar. I have, they're right here. I can see them from here. I have no idea how old they are, and I still think they're good. They're probably I, still I, good, man. <laughs> still good. They, I don't know. Do they ever go bad? Like somebody said, oh, they go bad after something. Bro, them bitches don't ever go bad. Like no, my first like MREs bad. were the dark brown bags. Have you ever seen the dark brown bags? I've seen those. Yeah, that shit was, oh. Look, Eric, his buddy brings his ice fishing. So, I mean, you've got all this going on. You've got Break the Bottle. You've got any, you got the TEDx. Now, the TEDx that's coming up. Mm -hmm. Is this your first TEDx or second? This is my second TEDx. Uh, to be honest, man, the first one that I did, I did it uh, a year and a half ago. And when I did it, it was in Miami. And went through the whole thing, did everything. And within my speech, I used the I used the word molested, and TEDx uh, the staff themselves red flagged me for that. Are so you serious? I, dead serious. So due to that, um, I posted it on my own YouTube. So if you go to my own YouTube webpage, you'll see my TEDx on there. Because if you look at, it, you can see that it was recorded. It has the TEDx banners and everything that they did. Like it was There's legit. You're right. So it, it's on my uh, my uh, YouTube page. So this time I uh, said, well, I'm going to use this opportunity, but now I'm going to just talk about some of the things, the unseen battles that veterans face. So I'll be talking about uh, mental health. I'll be talking about homelessness and I'll be talking about um, unemployment for this uh, TEDx speech. How about any other speaking engagements? I mean, TEDx is obviously folks can go to TEDx and and, fi and find this conversation. I know they take a little while to, to finally post them and everything. Yeah. Go to your YouTube channel, which again, folks, his YouTube is accessible through michaelwallison.com. He's got everything up at the top. His YouTube, his Instagram, his LinkedIn, his Facebook, it's all up there. Uh, his, his Instagram made me uncomfortable because mostly it was him dancing to uh, Cardi B songs. I didn't understand it completely. <laughs> I didn't get it, but no. uh, but <laughs> You're funny, man. <laughs> Coach and Gavana. Uh but I got I got a couple more speaking engagements. So next question. So what if somebody wanted to see you, anything else speaking engagement wise that where people could find you? I know you got the ability to find you for coaching and consulting opportunities. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So um what I do, I work with um executives and I work with team in regards to one-on-one -on -one coaching or through the uh, personal development coaching program. And I set up for a 90-day program where we're going to take you through just to get you to perform at like your peak level in regards to productivity and things like that for executives. And what, it, what I love is um, it's been very accepted in regards to people that I work with, knowing that I served in the military. So they know I come with a high level of uh, integrity and um, I'm going to serve them at the highest level. So that's the, the biggest um, thing that I like in regards to like the uh, coaching program, working with people. Besides that, the 12-week program, we do have that in a, a group format, and that's uh, tailored to a, uh, a on online delivery. And then we go through that through a, uh, a weekly coaching. And after we do the weekly group coaching, um, we also you have the opportunity to book with me for um, monthly uh, consulting. So if there's something that you need within the program, then we could uh, book with me, and I uh, give you strategies. I give you um, different like uh, tools and things like that to help you get you through the program. But from there, man. Um, <clears throat> 
you know, for myself, when it comes to the speaking piece, I, I do keynote speeches. Uh, we are scheduled to speak in tentatively right now for SCORE in uh, February. I'm headed to China in April. And then I'm headed to uh, Philadelphia in uh, June for another speaking engagement. And that's what we have so far for this year. Tell me, I, I got to ask a question. So I, so again, the industry I'm in, a lot of manufacturing in China. And one of my peers was like, oh yeah, I got invited to go to, to go to China to, to see a factory. I'm scared to go to China. You know, my wife, um, I told her that I got invited to go speak to a bunch of uh, venture capitals in China and the guy that invited me um, is a uh, Hispanic guy. And I asked him that because there's a couple of things. My wife, I didn't really like look into it. I gave it much thought. I, and uh, she was saying that um, China, you got to be careful when you go over there. And another part of that, too, is like, you know, I don't know if this is true or not. So I didn't research it or anything like that. But uh, she's, she she did bring it to my attention that, that um, some China, China, some places in China are not that keen to African American people and things like that. Yeah, so I, I've, I've seen videos where you know, being a brother, you ain't. Uh, they're like, mm, mm, I don't know. Mm. It's like being in Alabama. It's like, mm, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mm. I'm gonna say, look, I love you down there in the south. You you cook amazing, but. My, see, my whole thing is actually being a Marine. Like, I don't want to go and somebody mm -hmm. like, because, you know, they research everything about you. They know your whole background. And I don't want somebody being like, oh, you're a Marine. You're coming here. You're actually, you know, you're part of the federal government. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to like, we need to hold you here for longer. Mm. And, and bro, I'm not trying to jinx you. Please don't think that's what I'm saying. Mm. That's my, that's my. That's <laughs> I'm a very paranoid person, a super paranoid person. Um, thank you, Marine Corps. Uh, that's that's me. So, I mean, bro, you've got just such an amazing, and I, you know, I'm going to hype you a little bit more there, Michael. I mean, I'm just looking at all the different things through your website that you've got going on, that, that you've been involved in. That you're, you know, that you've got going on now. You've got the blog. You've got the website. You're, you're putting information out there. You're reaching out to folks. You know, for you, but before we close up here in a couple of minutes, is there anything on this journey so far that that you'd be willing to tell us, like, hey, this is this is the next step that you're pushing for, like, like what's what's the uh, like? I used to, I had an old Master Guns. I love Matty Pants. He's a fucking pain in my ass. I love Matt. But he, I once put in for a job that I had no business mm -hmm. putting in for NTT, National Training Team, for recruiting. And he's like, you don't qualify. I was like, well, if you at least aim for the stars, you're bound to hit the sky. And he's, like, shut up. he's like, shut up, asshole. And I was like, whatever. That's very typical Marine Corps. But is it, you know, what's your, what's your star moment? Where do you have one right now? I have several things that's, that's on my, uh, you know, I have a, so right here in my office, um, we have a screen up top. We have my boards right here. Then we have a bunch of things like all of the accolades there. And then on that back wall, we have um, some more pictures and we have like my vision board and all that stuff. But for me, man, you know, as I got into the, to this space and I seen the impact that I could make. There's quite a few things that's that um, I would like to do. I would like to take my story and probably put it into a film or, or do something with that. 
I would love to, uh, in addition to that, I would love to um, advocate for veterans. So if it takes me to the government, takes me into um, different rooms or different spaces, but advocating for the veteran community, because I think, you know, some of these things that I do talk about really means a lot to me when it comes to the mental health, the homelessness and uh, the unemployment rate when it, when it's tied to the veterans. And when I volunteered at the VA hospital, when I left uh, Atlanta, I volunteered in the hospital for close to a year. And I seen the effects of uh, some of the same guys that I served with and some of the things that it did. When I was working as a project manager and a contractor, I did that for 12 years for the VA. And the projects that I worked on was putting all of these, uh, uh, as an IT project manager and a contractor, I was putting all of these um, IT equipment inside of VA hospitals. And I seen the effects of what the things that we're putting in, what we're charging, the insurance that's, that's tied to it, all of the equipment and things like that. And I could see, knowing the benefit of things that I was offering and putting in for veterans, but I also seen some of the, the downside of what, vet, what was happening to veterans and the neglect that veterans was experiencing. I was also there in uh, D.C. when Shinsheki was in office and they were falsifying documents um, across Arizona and all those things for the veterans. Um, you know, so I, I have a big uh, a big uh, heart in regards to like some of the things that that's happening to veterans. So in the bigger space, you know, some of the things that I hope to dream for is actually take if I can get to that platform in regards to like advocating for veterans. That's something that's um, huge for me as well. Um, from there, man, is to grow the Adversity Academy to where it's a it's a uh, bigger brand as it is where if there's opportunities for partnerships, if there's opportunity to bring in um, more staff and things like that, or if it's something that could be adopted inside of a company, if it's something that could be adopted by the government. Um, I, I think uh, next thing me and my team we were talking about is creating a uh, app, a personal development app, a business development app that's tied to the University Academy itself. That's going to put everything that we're working on, but create some all encompassing like holistic types of things in there that's going to serve the veteran community, serve the business owner and serve somebody that's looking for some things on a personal development aspect. So when you think of like apps, like your Lumosities, your growth days, all of those different things, but putting all those things, putting all those things into one place that we could create um, that's going to serve the veteran community and serve um, business owners and serve people that uh, is looking for things on personal development too, as well. So I got lots of big things uh, that I'm just I'm putting out there in the atmosphere, man. But that's that's all the things that I'm thinking about right now, and we'll see how that goes, man. I, I love it. I do growth day right now. I, I do I do that one. So if there was one that was more focused on veterans that was similar to that, I'd be all about it because I think it, it's tough for us. Even I mean, God, next year I've been out ten years, but it's still a language that I understand better than English. So mm -hmm. I get it. Look, folks, if, if you've hang, hung with us this entire time, you've seen what Michael's got going on again, michaelwallison.com. Please take the time, like, share, subscribe to what he's got going on. If you're finding me through Michael or Michael through me, again, like, share, and subscribe. It may sound cheesy. It may sound cliche, but it truly is how these algorithms work. It's how these processes work. That's how we all get found. That's how his, his story grows. That's how my story grows. So please take that time going on to Apple or Spotify and giving that five-star rating and, and saying or going into Facebook, if you're on Facebook and giving that rating, truly does mean something to us. Next next week, folks, we're you know how much I love talking to Marines and talking to business folks. And you know my least favorite thing to talk about, and you can thank Nate for this. Next week, we're talking about ghosts and other shit like that. <laughs> 
Oh no, I don't do paranormal real well. Like the show always jacks up when I have paranormal stuff on. So thanks, Nate. We're going to do paranormal next week. I appreciate you. So we're going to do paranormal stuff next week with uh, Candy Howe. So we're going to do that next week. And then we'll try to find a way to get back into like business related stuff. Cause Nate's going to get me Michael. Um, look, um, I'm not, I'm not the white dude that's standing in the room when the girl, <laughs> I'm not that motherfucker. Dog. You, you not, it in. <laughs> me and the brothers are all on the same path. Look, look, look. They used to call me Magadamia, sexual child. <laughs> uh, but we are all out the door together. So, but now I know, Michael, you have listened to probably this is like 212 or 213, whatever episode. Of, uh, look, he's like over here. Oh, I could book you more for you ain't booking none of them. Uh, so I know you've listened to all of them. Please do not log off after this. We need to talk for a couple minutes after the show. But I know you've listened to all of them. So you know what's about to, to come here, which is to me one of the most important things on the show, which is the guest always gets the final word. So now, what is the final word there, Michael? Final word is clarity. If I could elaborate, I would love to. Uh, if you want to gain clarity, you want to gain alignment in your life, I always say three things will put those things together, man. Decision, direction, and destination. Put those three things together, you'll gain so much clarity, and your life will get much much more aligned. Thank you, brother, for having me as a guest, man. Alrighty, folks. Be sure to push your stool in. This has been a Second Front Podcast presentation found on Apple, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. 